Hello, friends. Welcome once again to the Perfect Bound Podcast. This is a podcast all about anything and everything comic books and comics related, brought to you by the Panel Jumper and Comics Dungeon. My name is Ben. With me, as always, is Nicole Lamb. Hello. Chris Gasseau. Hello. And Mr. Cole Hornaday. Hey, Ben. And we have a special guest today. And to introduce our special guest, I'm going to throw it over to Cole. Take it away. Yes. I'd like to introduce you, an old friend of mine, um, Steve Matson. Steve is a Portland-based actor and artist who in the early 1980s went from fan to professional during the early days of independent comics. He was one of the first hired hands at Dark Horse Comics and eventually found himself writing and coloring books for Dark Horse, Marvel, and DC. And currently, Steve is a paramedic, licensed drug and alcohol counselor uh, with Providence Health Services. Steve, did I get that right? Yeah, it's pretty damn close. Okay. You. <laughs> you wanna You want to correct me? So, uh, yeah, I'm working at Providence. Uh, it's a hospital. It's a large hospital in the Portland area. I'm working in the emergency department. Uh, okay. Swing shift so I can audition during the day. Ox, yes. And I do want to talk about how your creative career has shifted from, well, you've always been uh, an actor, but we'll get to that. So um, I one of the reasons why I wanted to have you uh, on the podcast was I wanted to talk about uh, because I think it's something that, that parallels a lot of, of artists in the industry is, is going from fan to professional. But um, because I knew you as a young person and watched the um, progression of your career and your goals, there were lots of things I think other people would benefit from hearing about and, and anecdotes and experiences that you had. Um, so, but I got to tell you that I never I knew of Steve before I even met him. And I had opened up, uh, I think it was DC Comics Showcase, and they, they'd had a feature at that time called Dial H for Hero. And there was a character, a very simple character called the Pupil in one of the frames. And down at the bottom of the frame, it said, created by Steve Matson, And it said Monmouth, Oregon, which just befuddled the crap out of me because Monmouth is, at that time, in the early 80s, was a fly speck of a town. It was a little college town. But it's like, I knew all the nerds in town, and I was the only one. <laughs> so he must have been attending the college. So, Steve, tell us about um, your, your background, your, your love of comics, and, and I want to lead into talking about Dial H for Hero and all those shenanigans. Well, like uh, a lot of people, I started reading comics at a young age and, of course, really enjoyed them. And once I realized that they were written and drawn by different people, I thought, hey, this is something that I might be able to do. Mm-hmm. Um, Dial H for Hero... I saw a blurb in the Comics Reader, probably a summer between my senior in high school and freshman in college years. And uh, so I sent him a package of stuff. I sent him the Flying Buttress, Visual Purple and Ultramarine, three characters, and um, got a nice letter back and a T-shirt that said, hey, we're going to use the Flying Buttress in the Legion of Superheroes Dial H for Hero preview issue. And I, I was just thrilled um, that that so was flying- wonderful. So Flying Buttress was a team, or are you talking about three different characters? No, so, yeah, I sent him a package of three different characters. Oh, okay, gotcha. You know, from the uh, gothic architecture. Yeah, yeah no, I, I, I got that. Uh, <laughs> so, they you, so they sent you a t-shirt. Uh-huh. And um, but they only sent you one t-shirt. Yeah, oh, that's a that's actually part of the story. Um, okay, I'll shut up and so let you tell the story. <laughs> they told me that they're going to use the the flying buttress, and uh, when I finally got that issue, Legion of Superheroes, uh, it was a continued story, so I knew he was going to appear in the the first Dial H for Hero story that moved to Adventure Comics, and uh, I was really excited that they used him more than once, and I haunted the comic reader looking for 
cover thumbnails. You know, what is he going to make the cover? How's this mm-hmm. going to work out? And uh, I finally saw the cover of, I think it's Adventure 479, and uh, Ultramarine was on it. I thought, wow, okay, I'm going to have two characters in the same issue. And uh, But wait a minute, they only gave me one T-shirt, and they're using two characters. That's, that's no good. So I started sending in tons of characters under pen names, my brother's name, <laughs> uh, my D&D group's name, uh, my family's name. So and, this uh, way you'd never have to buy shirts again? I'd never have to buy shirts again. So I thought I'd outsmart them. And uh, they ended up using, I think, about 12 of them. That's and, amazing. Uh, the pupil was one of them. Uh, <laughs> the pupil was a, a giant floating eyeball in a graduation cap. Right. A little motorboard. I wait the, the laughter now. Come on. <laughs> no, but see, that was when I first met you. We did a play together at Western Oregon State College, and when I first met you, your name clicked, and I think I asked you about this character, and that's when we started being friends. You don't remember, remember this. Remember you being a precocious <laughs> high school student who was yeah, talented was enough in the college plays. That's mm-hmm. that's what I remember you, Cole. It's like, oh, okay. who is this kid here hanging with the college coot? That's right. Cool guys. Yeah, making them look bad. <laughs> All right, so uh, uh, flash forward uh, another couple of years, and Jim Aparo and Mike Barr are, are producing um, Batman and the Outsiders for DC. All right, well, let me let me go back just a little bit. Uh, oh, no, I'm trying what, to steer the conversation here, buddy. <laughs> I, I understand. You're, you're failing miserably, my friend. Ah. <laughs> All right, go so, uh, ahead. Wow, we've really, never had a guest push back so much. <laughs> Keep doing it. Years, <laughs> All right, go ahead, buddy. I'm sorry. It's actually Brave and Bold 106 that really got me into co- uh, comics, and that uh-huh. was uh, drawn by Jim Aparo as a uh, Batman Green Arrow team up versus Two-Face, and I just loved Aparo's artwork. It's like, wow, this guy uh, looks different than any other comic book artist I've ever seen. He's like... It's like spontaneous and realistic at the same time. How do you do that? So that really got me interested in who was writing and who was drawing and mm-hmm. brought me down this path. So after the Dial H for Hero stuff, um, what you're mentioning is in Batman and the Outsiders, they had a character called Agent Orange. It's one of the villains. And I had sent in a character to Dial H for Hero called Agent Orange. And they looked pretty much exactly alike, had the same powers, identical down the line. Backpack uh, with a flamethrower and a gas mask. Yeah, exactly. Right. He's, he's like a Vietnam uh, era super soldier with uh, orange fatigues instead of olive drab. Mm-hmm. The, the other connection was Mike Barr was the editor, uh, assistant editor on Adventure when Dial right. H for Hero was running, and he was the writer of the Batman and the Outsider. And I always kind of surmised that probably the assistant editor's job was to wade through all those Dial H for Hero submissions. So I kind of thought he'd probably seen my submissions. So I was a little, little surprised when I saw it in Batman and the Outsiders. I was thrilled sure. that it was drawn by Jim Aparo, who was, you know, kind of my gateway into comics. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Uh, it, it bugged me a little bit. Totally. And you wound up calling the the offices at DC. Yeah, I called uh, uh, called DC, and Len Wein actually answered, and he. Uh, said, well, that, it just can't be true because Mike Barr hated working on Dialage for Hero. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, they put Len Wein on the phones? Yeah. At yeah. DC? Yeah. 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 <laughs> they, oh, they, they knew they had some scary fanatical kid on the other end of the line. <laughs> they didn't know if he was in the lobby or not. He was the sacrificial <laughs> shield? Yeah, that's right. Jeez. So Len Wein uh, picked up the phone. 
Yep, and I, I told him my story, and he said, yeah, it, it, it can't be true, because Mike Barr just hated dialect trigger, which, again, <laughs> makes me think that he had to wade through all those those fan submissions. Sure. So, uh, I remember that didn't also, really placate me. Well, I remember also him saying something like, you know, there's a, there's a creative synchronicity that frequently happens, like the, uh, uh, you know, Kirby and Lee created the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants at this, uh, the same month that the Brotherhood of Evil appeared in uh, Doom Patrol. Um, and, and Banachek came out the same time, the TV series Banachek came out the same time as the Human Target. Man-Thing and Swamp-Thing. Man-Thing and Swamp-Thing. Yeah, exactly. And mean. that really got me because I didn't know what the word creative synchronicity meant. <laughs> okay. Well, you must be right, Mr. Lean. Wherever you are. <laughs> All right. So then you went off to college and then you started uh, dabbling in, in. How did you first get your, your first uh, genuine uh, professional gig? Well, you know, in college, I kept going to all the conventions, just like everybody else. And, Showing uh, artwork and that kind of thing. But, um, you know, I really wasn't doing it right. I was doing character designs. Hey, check this out. It's like, Mm -hmm. well, you know, people don't pay you to do character designs, Steve. Uh, you got to do storytelling pages. Let me tell you, that's a lot of work. Mm -hmm. But eventually, the pros I show and stuff to started um, responding to my coloring. It's like, hey, you know what? Mm. Um, this is pretty nice. Uh, have you ever like colored story pages? And here's uh, some Xeroxes of some stuff I've done and uh, work on this and, you know, show it to me and we'll see where you go. And so I, cool. I kept working on it and they would keep giving me um, tips and this is what you should do. And I, I, I tried my best and kept improving and they kept giving me more tips. So I, I just kept doing it. And, uh, you know, I always wanted to do everything, so I, I was pitching story ideas when Archie Goodwin or Denny O'Neill came to town, and I got, got good feedback, so I, I just kept doing those things. And uh, eventually I, I saved some money and was going to do a backpacking trip to Europe mm-hmm. and stop by the D.C. offices, and I think Bob Rizakis was the production manager then, and he said, you know what, Steve, this is professional quality. And it's like, oh, finally, no tips on how I should improve. <laughs> I made it. Now, he said, we don't have any work for you, but, you know, keep in touch. <clears throat> so did you so, till, uh, still take the trip to Europe? Yeah, I went to Europe and uh, had a great time. And when I got back, the whole uh, comics field mm. was in the middle of this sea change, okay. uh, Federal Express had started, and people didn't have to live in New York anymore. So right. a bunch of uh, Portland pros were moving back to Portland because they, they, couldn't, they didn't want to afford the rent, and they loved Oregon. And so they were coming back, and they were uh, living here and sending work back and forth Federal Express. So uh, Ron Randall, who's, uh, I think he was a guest on your show pretty recently, mm-hmm. he, he moved back. I met him. Um, Paul Galacy's wife was from Portland, uh, so he and his wife moved back here, and I got a chance to meet him, and uh, that's that's really where I started getting paid, is I worked as Paul's assistant, did right. all kinds of different things. And how were you assisting him? Well, it, the first thing anybody does as an assistant is erase pages and fill in blacks. That's, uh, mm. that's where you start, and then, you know, if you're any good, you progressed to background inking and of course I was interested in coloring so I started doing coloring for Paul but uh, I also did something kind of interesting I um I modeled for Paul mm-hmm. a lot of, 
stuff. Um, many, many issues. And uh, I did that for years after I stopped uh, being his assistant, was posed for a lot of his uh, painted covers and such. So I'm sorry, personal question, but where can we see your shape in, in Paul Gulesi's <laughs> comics? Well, you know what? I, I'll send you a link and you, you put it on the website. I've All got right. a whole video of it, Cole. L- lovely. Oh, that sounds like a very inappropriate question. <laughs> no, no. <it's>, no. <laughs> You Please, know, form, tell us more shape, about silhouette, your outline. You know what I meant. Get your mind out of the... Does anyone else have a question for Steve before I keep steamrolling <laughs> myself into the into the concrete? Uh, well, do you mind if I jump on yeah, that? Yeah, go for it. So uh, when did you get involved with Dark Horse, and uh, what were some of your first gigs there? Yeah, so um, this kind of reminds me of the, the Steven Spielberg myth where he jumped over the fence at Universal and... Mm-hmm made himself up an office and that's how he did it uh right about the same time that the pros were moving back to portland uh, mike richardson and randy stradley were starting up dark horse they'd actually done uh the first issue of dark horse presents and the first issue of boris and bear in their their kitchens and at one of mike's comic shops uh, hmm. right about the same time i was getting involved with paul they opened some offices really small offices here in Portland. And I went in and visited Randy and told him, Hey, I've, I've done this work with Paul and I've done these, uh, colored covers for eclipse and, um, Hey, I'd, I'd like to be involved. And so right about the time they opened the office, um, I started going in there every day. There was no <laughs> interview or hiring process. I just mm-hmm. hung out every <laughs> single day and started doing work, production art and, uh, fill in scripting on Boris and coloring covers, and that's just how it happened. I just nice came every day. <laughs> so you, I, um, I, I think that you and 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 our mutual friend Dave Jackson were like two of the first uh, people on the payroll. Was that right? Yeah. So um, David Jackson is another uh, buddy of ours from Western Oregon State College. He was involved in the. Uh, both the theater and the art departments, and he had taught himself to letter. He wasn't quite as into comics as I was, but he, he saw it as a viable uh, employment opportunity. And so he and I both went in and did production art, and I did coloring, and he did lettering, and we were made ourselves invaluable, basically. And so that's how we got started. So I had no choice but to pay you. (laughs) So, um, Steve, one of the things I do ask a lot of um, industry folks when I get a chance to is in your process of developing your skill set, and you had multiple skills, you could write, you could draw, you could color, you could ink. Was there any point that that someone sat you down and taught you the process of creative collaboration? Or do you feel like that was something that was done through trial and error? So that's a, that's a great question. Um, what I kept selling myself to these local pros is, hey, I'm local. I'm, I'm in town here. You can take a look at my coloring before we send it off to New York and say, you know, no, that's not what I was going for. Because before, they had no contact at all with, uh, in many cases, the inker, letterer, and colorist. They mm-hmm. would send off their pencils and that would be it. And how it was published was how it was published. And so that was part of what I sold. Here I am, I'm local, let's get together and let's talk about it before I start and uh, take a look before I send it off and you let me know if you want changes made. Mm-hmm. And they, they responded to that. They liked that idea. So yeah, it was a collaboration from the beginning. Excellent. 
Um, so I want to uh, spin the uh, I want to spin the TARDIS uh, forward in time a little bit uh, to when you were actually doing more writing than coloring and inking, and um, tell me about some of your first early writing projects that you did. Well, that started out with just hanging out at the Dark Horse offices. Uh, <laughs> uh, Boris the Bear number four, which is pretty early in the whole process. Uh, Randy Stradley didn't have time to finish the scripting and said. Hey, we, we got to get this done. Do you want to take a crack at it? And I said, yes, I do. <laughs> and same thing with Dark Horse Presents. Um, it was an anthology title. They were trying to fill um, eight-page story slots. And I said, I got eight-page story slots. Hey, I, I got this idea. I got this idea. And so they, um, Mike Richardson said, yeah, yeah, let's let's do it. And so I got to do a couple of my um, original characters there. Uh Doc Abstruse was one, and that's kind of interesting because I brought the pupil back. Mm-hmm. Oh, he had originally appeared in DC Comics Stylish for Hero Strip. I just used him as a supporting character in Doc Abstruse. Nobody ever said anything, so <laughs> I guess it's all good now. But that wasn't the first time you uh, you sort of like rebooted your Stylish for Hero creations. Well, yeah, that would that would have been the first. Um, okay, much much okay, later. Okay, so that was the first time, but it wasn't the only time. Yes. Yes. Uh, jumping ahead a bit, I was uh, working on Superboy and the Ravers for DC, which was uh, something I was co-writing with Carl Kiesel. And uh, he actually had the idea of bringing the H-dial back and giving it to a character we called Hero. Hmm. And um, so we, we played around with the H-dial in Dowage for Hero, but I also brought back uh, the Flying Buttress, so it made him an actual part of the DC universe. I was pretty excited about that. But Jim Aparo didn't get to draw him. <laughs> no, he did not. But yeah. funny you mentioned that because uh, we did do a, an eight-page backup story uh-huh. where the Ravers visited Gotham City, and Jim Aparo drew that. We got to do a little uh, Batman and Robin cameo, and the villain in that eight-page was Two-Face, which goes all the way back oh. to Brave Old 106. Excellent. So there's like this little connect, this connect for your, in your personal mythology, there is this connectivity of these characters and, oh, and your yes. involvement as a creator. Um, it was just a thrill to work with Jim Aparo when he was really the inspiration for getting mm-hmm. in the comic. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had an urban legend question for you. I don't know if you can help me out with this, but um, since you and Kiesel uh, uh, collaborated on the writing responsibilities for Superboy and the Ravers, and Carl actually, didn't he cut his teeth writing um, Legion of Superheroes? So Carl started out uh, inking Legion of Superheroes, inking, I think, right. Harry Shoemaker, but then he um, his first really big uh, writing project was the Connell Superboy after uh, right. the, the death and right. rebirth of Superman. Right. So the urban legend question was, were the Ravers in Superboy and the Ravers intended to be analogs for the Legion of Superheroes? Yeah, I've actually heard that before, and I guess yeah. the idea goes that... Uh, Superboy and Superboy are... Well, there's that. <laughs> there's that connection. Yeah, Cosmic Boy and Aura was a female character with magnetic powers, so mm-hmm. that works. And uh, <laughs> Sparks and Lightning Lad both had lightning powers. Right. But I'm not quite sure how Saturn Girl with her telepathy fit to any of the Ravers characters. Okay, so, so, so it kind of falls apart after a little it, while. It falls apart, yeah. yeah. All it, right. it was almost there, but it's not... Just, not <laughs> What did you say, Chris? Just the synchronicity. It's a synchron. Oh, yeah, well, I thought you said synchronopsity, which oh. is like, oh, is this a new word? No. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> but what I'm going to claim it now. 
It means with Chris, one breath, with one flow. Steve. I, I, I've been waiting for years. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. There's something about uh, you know a creature in the bottom of a dark Scottish lake. I don't. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I've had that song that. running through my head the entire show ever since you mentioned it. Well All played. Right. <laughs> Thank you. Well, um, I'm a nerd and I flaunt it. Um, yeah, so that's what that was one of the things I wanted to share was that that that, that long range connection and your personal mythology as a creator uh, with uh, Dial H for Hero. So then, um, what happened to you? You kind of. Uh, uh, tapped the, the brakes on your uh, comic book career uh, in the late 90s. What was going on there? So, um, you know, as a freelance... dark? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This isn't going to get sad, is it? No. No, okay. not sad at all. Okay. Uh, got married and had kids. It's a wonderful, that's wonderful a, thing. That's a happy thing. <laughs> but, you know, with freelancers, there's no uh, insurance. There's no retirement. There's mm -hmm. no... Uh, guaranteed paycheck it's either feast or famine you're mm -hmm. either working too much or too little right it, it's it's difficult and um you know as a freelancer you're usually always hustling hey i need to get my next my next gig mm -hmm. and i had the very uh, fortunate experience of um coloring the monthly untold tales of spider-man for marvel and writing the monthly Superboy and the Ravers for DC, and it was a, it was a wonderful balance. I got to do my my two favorite things, and I got to work for both companies, and it was it's just perfect. But um, after two years of that, I got a little fat and happy, and both titles were canceled within the same week. It's oh like, man! Wow. Now, now I'm married with kids, and uh, I got to figure out something to do. So I went back to school became a an EMT and then a paramedic and then a firefighter which was my my plan was firefighters only work one day in three so I, I can still have insurance <laughs> and retirement and still work on comics all right but uh, all my editors had moved on by then and mm -hmm. I just couldn't get to, to listen to my pitches so mm -hmm. so here I am and you've been um, and you've been improving your skills in um, uh, and counseling and um, and helping other people ever since. So in a way, you know, you kind of traded off your career in telling stories about superheroes by becoming a hero. <laughs> um, you know, I'm not I'm not going to go with you on this one, Cole. But yeah, uh, I think you just own it. Pride. He's I think I think I think you can just own he's it. Hum he's too humble, Cole, yeah, to admit is. that. That's but fine. I have a I actually do have a question for you, go Steve, for about your uh, current sure. life as a counselor and as a uh, uh, person who helps others. Do you ever come across somebody whose life experience you just want to turn into a comic book? Mm -hmm. I've been keeping notes for twenty <laughs> years. <laughs> Absolutely, of course. Cool. It could be I a mean, good there's, graphic there's novel. Wonderful, yes. wonderful yeah. stories, and there's there's heartbreaking stories, and um, yeah, I would like to tell some. You know, life and death, comics and stories one of these days. I bet Drawn and Quarterly would love those stories. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, something to oh, consider. And you're still an artist. You act. Um, uh, you're, you're, a, you're a member of SAG-AFTRA, and you've done numerous uh, television and video projects. Um, how many episodes of Grimm have you been in? So, Cole and I have talked about this before. Yeah. Background not actually doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> to me, it does. Resume. <laughs> All right. So, but didn't you? You didn't have any. You didn't have any speaking parts in Grimm. 
No. I, Did you I have speaking a, parts and leverage? Background detective in four episodes and a okay. paramedic in two okay. episodes. See, Steve, this is what happens when you when you post pick production pictures on on Facebook and your and your in in your costume and your big gun. I just assume you got a speaking part. Wait, wait, wait. When you were a paramedic in the episode, did you wear your work clothes or did they give you a costume? <laughs> You bring your work clothes, and then they dress you up a little <laughs> bit further. You actually get a bump in pay if you're a real paramedic. Oh, really? Because you're doing I, double yeah. duty at that point. Yeah. yeah, that way they don't have to hire a set medic. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, were there, is there film or in television um, or, or web work that you've done that you're particularly proud that we should keep our eyes open for? Well, the most recent things I've done is um, I played a, a detective named Brian Steed. And that's a real guy. That's not a made-up name. And he's a, a local Portland detective in a TV series called The Wonderland Murders. It's all true crime in Portland, Oregon. And that's on the Investigation Discovery Channel. So Ooh, I play. That's a good channel. Excellent. Yeah. That's um, the number one channel among women is what I Yeah, we I, love murder. <laughs> <laughs> I well, wonder Nicole why. in particular. <laughs> She works retail, so <laughs> murder is part of the whole internal life experience, it's isn't true. it? It's true. It's a circle of life. And you're also a Buckaroo Bonsai like mega fan. Yeah, I wouldn't. Um, I saw Buckaroo Bonsai advertising in Marvel Comics probably in 1984, and thought, "Ooh, this sounds pretty good. I like this <laughs> Da Vinci." renaissance man doc savage exactly 80s kind of vibe and uh happened to be living in southern california at the time and went and saw the movie in in hollywood i thought this is great this is going to be the, a giant hit and uh, of course it wasn't more of a cult classic but um um always always loved the movie and on the first date with my wife, we were talking about favorite movies, and she said, oh, my favorite movie is Buckaroo Banzai, and I thought, mm-hmm, all right. <laughs> yep, she's a keeper, all right. So I've been working on uh, World Watch One. It's a mm-hmm. uh, Buckaroo Banzai fanzine uh, for the last 15 years, and we just brought out the uh, 35th anniversary of the Buckaroo Banzai film um, just a week ago. And wow. It's a lot of fun. Uh, I think people should take a look at it. Um, I don't know if we can put the website on your... Of course you can. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. We'll all you send can. you an email after we're done, and you send me all the stuff that you want included in the show notes. So are you writing oh. articles? Are you doing... Um, what? What? Are, how are you contributing to the to the fanzine? Yeah, I mean, this is kind of my, my geek outlet these days, mm-hmm. uh, writing lots of articles. Uh, my wife and I actually did a uh, cross-country road trip a couple of years ago where we drove from Newport, Oregon to... Uh, Portland, Maine, and uh, got to meet the director, W.D. Richter, and so was, I've interviewed him and the writer, Earl Mac Rausch, and some of the cast members and stuff. It's it's a lot of fun. I, anybody that who enjoys so cool. Bonsai, you're going to like this. That's so nice. cool. Yeah, and my husband's a super fan, too, so I told him about your newsletter, and he, his eyes got big, <laughs> and he was like, ooh. <laughs> yeah, so, lots, lots of issues, and uh, the current issue is, I think, 64 pages, so oh my lots goodness. of Wow. That's nice. a lot of content. Nice. Yep. So do you still, you don't, you no longer work in the comics industry. Do you still read comics? Yeah, absolutely. Um, what, are your, my, what are some of your favorite titles? And do you collect um, titles from people you've worked with just out of, like, obligation? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> 
What's it, yeah, what are your, some of your what, what's right on your now, bookshelf? Fucking, uh, Jimmy Olsen and Lois Lane. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to Legion of Superheroes, the whole uh, Bendis Superman reboot. Um, I, I like the weirdness of it. Um, I'm enjoying that. I, I love the Alan Moore League of His Extraordinary Gentlemen. So that that finally ended just here recently. Mm-hmm. Really like that. Um, my daughter has finally gotten into comics. Usagi Ujimbo was her gateway, and uh, so it's kind of game. fun to talk to her about it and see what she's collecting. And mm-hmm. we'll go down to the San Diego Comic Con as a family. I get to be the cool dad for a <laughs> year. And you also moderate it at, at San Diego on t- occasion too, don't you? Yeah, my uh, my old buddy Paul Galacy was a, a recent guest down there, and so I I moderated a, his panel, and that was a lot of fun. Excellent. Okay, Steve, um, uh, the clock on the wall is telling us that we need, <laughs> le- need to let you go, and so you can go to bed, and we've got other stuff we need to record. Um, but thank you for um, letting me do this, because there, there, really and truly, there are stories about your experience in, in the industry that I wanted. Uh, I actually wanted to save for posterity, because I've been rattling it around in my head and my heart for a long time. And thank you guys at the table for, <laughs> for letting me do that, because Steve's been a really good friend, a big supporter of the work that Ben and I do for years. And um, he's, he's actually, believe it or not, he's still one of my favorite people. And uh, I love being able to have the chance to, to bring you on the show. Well, Cole, I, I really appreciate that. Uh, none of that was true, I'm sure, but I, I appreciate you <laughs> You know I'm it. classically trained, right, buddy? <laughs> yes, I, I went to Shakespeare school. That's right, friend. That's right. <laughs> wow, that's a good Cole Hornady impression. <laughs> Yeah, it's like Cole said, Steve, thank you so much for being a guest on our show. We really do appreciate it. And uh, yeah, thanks for putting up with all the technical difficulties we had before we started. Fortunately, the audience isn't going to hear any of that. Nope. Chris and Nicole, thank you for putting up with Cole. <laughs> Steve, you're a delight and a pleasure. <laughs> thank you so much. Can you just be a part of the regular show? Yeah, yeah, we can do that. <laughs> thanks, buddy. You're welcome. Thank you for joining us. You can hear more Perfect Bound Podcasts at Perfect Bound Podcasts wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to check out the ticket link that you see right next to this podcast for the Panel Jumper Live. Chapter 8, Cold. Give us just a, just a list of names who we're, who we're going to see. Oh, you can look forward to seeing, or hearing rather, singer-songwriter Catherine Farrell. Uh, Liam White is going to do an excerpt. He's going to do a werewolf uh, monologue that I saw an excerpt of a, a couple weeks back, months back, that I thought was extraordinary. New short play by Anthea Carnes. Um, who else have we got? Well, There's a brand new episode of The Panel Jumper called Say It Loud that, that uh, was co-written by myself and Andrew Lee Creech and co-hosted as well uh but uh our our industry guest is the one the only jeffrey varagi uh who uh is uh he 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 calls himself the salish geek uh incorporating uh native american form line illustrations with contemporary pop icons and his work is extraordinary i cannot wait i cannot wait to sit down and talk with him and share you share his experiences with you the audience breathe breathe breathe, cool breathe (laughs) i'm very excited about this show we'll have a live recording the perfect bound podcast if you survived to get there <laughs> <laughs> and we will wrap up the evening with uh, burlesque from vixen valentine thank you cole find your tickets at thepaneljumper.com the show is friday september 27th at 8 p.m at west of lennon everything you need to know is at 
thepaneljumper.com. Thank you again for listening. Thanks again to Steve Matson for being our guest, and we will see you next week. <laughs>